With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Busy show tonight. We are going to talk boxing. We're going to talk rowing. We're going to talk the NBA. We're going to talk some cricket. We're going to talk some Australian rugby. But more importantly, I want you to talk to me. Talk back is a better experience when you do jump on the phone on 0800 150 is the number. Very shortly, cricket commentator Garth Galloway on the programme. I want to look back on this remarkable test, England beating Pakistan. Day five by 74 runs. They're calling it arguably the best test victory outside of England for an England cricket team. They're talking about the revolution that England is creating through the vision of coach Brendan McCullum and their captain, Ben Stokes. Now, we've got some audio here from Nasser Hussain, which I want to play because we're going to kick it off with this. Garth Galloway standing by off the back of it. Love to get your thoughts. But this is a really good summation from the former England cricket captain on this remarkable performance in Ralpindi. You think you've seen everything in this game until you see the last five days. There was no reason at all on that feather bed of a pitch there should have been a result, apart from one thing we forgot, and that's Stokes and McCullum. The rate they got their runs throughout the game, and then to go out, that was one thing, to go out there and get 20 wickets on that pitch. I think it's the best bit of captaincy in Test Match cricket I have ever seen to produce a result like that. Um, And the aspects of that then, firstly the declaration which got absolute vindication here tonight and then the way that he marshalled his resources today. Everything. Very rarely do you get a, a five days where you get everything spot on. The way he sends his batters out the door to go out and have fun and score at 6.7 runs and over um, to get you ahead of the game, to buy you time towards the end of the game. Then you time your declaration spot on. You know, you said last night there'd been no England captain that would have declared at tea. You know, at stages today people are saying, really, have you got this right, Ben Stokes? Well, he got it absolutely spot on. Every decision he made today about keeping the old ball, keeping himself back for the old ball, getting that ball reverse swinging, whether to take the new ball. He pretty much got every decision right. And his, and his cricketers and his team back him up. You know, they, they will run through a brick wall for him. Anderson, a 40-year-old, 40, 40 coming in on day five, bowling that spell. Ollie Robinson with doubts about his fitness a year ago, producing spells like that towards the end. Giving Leach the new ball, he had to a little bit because of the lights, but again, Leach delivers for him. So it was an amazing, he described it himself as one of England's greatest ever away wins, and it's very difficult to argue with that. He's not a great student of history, Ben, and I don't know how much you'd know about England's previous wins, but I think those of us who've been around a long time, and, and maybe those who do know a bit more about England's dim and distant victories abroad, this has to rank amongst their finest wins, doesn't it? Well, you're more of a historian than me, but I can't remember either in my playing days, watching cricket growing up, or commentating a better performance. A performance where you have to get everything right, burst every sinew, and to, you know, walk the walk after talking the talk. We're not playing for a draw. On this pitch, people are saying, well, hold on, you might have to. I think once he's done that and then you put in a performance like that, um, I would say it is one of their greatest ever victories away from home. 
remarkable performance considering that England scored more than 500 runs on the first day, declared it 657, Pakistan come out and score 579. You're thinking there's no way there's going to be a result. It's the most benign wicket you've seen and yet England under Stokes and McCullum find a way. Arguably New Zealand's finest cricket commentator now joins us on the programme at Garth Galloway. Garth, good evening, welcome. Hi, G'day, how are you, mate? I, I enjoyed listening to that, and it, it really does. I mean, Atherton and Hussain are so good, and, um, you know, understated, but uh, summing it up perfectly, I think. Are they changing the game? Um, well, well, they are in a way. I mean, I think you saw Pakistan probably scoring at a faster rate than they would have. Um, you know, I, I think sides are going to have to learn uh, you know, with England, it, it, it's just full noise, isn't it? And they are going to be aggressive against you. It's not always going to work, Mark. And, and you know, England have said that, and they lost that first test against South Africa uh, this year, um, and then won the next two. So it's not always going to work. It's not always going to be successful. But they've won seven out of eight under McCullum and Stokes, and that's a pretty good record. Um, are they changing the face of the game? They're changing the way they're playing. Uh, the issue is whether uh, other sides are prepared to go along for it. But the, the reality is, if they're not, uh, then they're going to end up getting beaten because uh, the cricket's compelling. And I think the other thing you've got is they've got the tools. You know, they, 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 it's one thing to say we want to play the game in this way, but at the moment, um, they seem to have the tools and the players with the ability under Stokes and McCullum to go out there and doing it. And I'm not just talking about the batters, I'm talking about the bowlers as well. And you heard Atherton and Hussain referring to them. They were stoic and courageous. And, uh, you know, England have an embarrassing riches of medium paces. The only thing, the only thing that sits in the back of my mind, uh, Mark, is uh, Australia's tour to England next year and and what will happen there. (laughs) And I can't wait. Yeah, look, I was going to ask you that and you sort of answered my next question in that answer there. And that's about do countries now adopt the style or do they stick to the more traditional way of playing the game, which, let's be honest, is still faster than it once was in terms of the runs being scored in a day, and then tactically look at a way of bringing England undone through their aggression. Well, you know, if, if, if they... I, I think sides... So, so, for example, England coming out here and playing a couple of tests against New Zealand uh, next year, early next year. You know, England, New Zealand are going to have to look very carefully about how they take on this England side because... If, for example, a pitch is reasonably flat uh, and England won the toss and bat, you just know that they're going to be trying to score five or six runs and over. Five, anyway, uh, in our conditions. And the, the, the problem with that from opposition sides is it means that they score 400 runs in a day. Uh, even in a place like New Zealand, they could do that. Uh, 90 overs, you know. So it's, it's, it, you, you just end up getting behind the game if you're not prepared to try and get out there you know, you're always playing for a draw if you're not prepared to mm. take them on. And that's that's the problem with it. And I think, you know, when you look at... I, I was looking at that New Zealand-England series earlier in this year. You know, at Trent Bridge, England chased down 299, so nearly 300. And in, in the first innings, they averaged 5.37. And, and then 5.44 chasing mark. It's just incredible. And New Zealand in that test scored at 2.8 and 3 mm. in their innings. So those are... You know, more traditional, more conservative uh, scores, and I'm not critical of New Zealand in any way. But uh, you know, they, they are going to have to find a way. If, if England are going to keep doing this, other sides are going to have to play catch up. I'm afraid. It's funny though. All the cricketers these days play so much one day in T20 cricket. So it's. I mean, they're used to playing a fast 
form of the game. But it's almost like, well, let's put them in white clothing, let's give them a red ball, and then suddenly everybody starts to go back into their traditional shells where it's almost a sense with McCullum and Stokes. It's like, well, guys, let's just look at this and say, three T20 games in a day or four T20 games in a day, forget the white uniform, imagine you're in the colour uniform, forget that being a red ball, imagine it's a white ball and go and do your thing. I agree. And, you know, if you think about McCullum's, um, what was it, second last innings in Test cricket when he got the fastest 100 against Australia uh, 2015, you know, and and that was an incredible innings. And and again, I don't think uh, that, you know, but for the advent of T Twenty cricket and uh, and a lot of white ball cricket as well, I'd be you know surprised if he would ever have been able to play an innings like that. So the game has changed so much. Not not all players play all forms of the game, of course, uh, Mark. But the very good ones, you know, people like you, you, you know you see Bairstow's a good uh, you know one day cricketer. You see Stokes playing in all forms of the game. You know there are a lot of them who who cross over. And this fellow, Brock, who got 100 in the first innings and then 80 in the second innings in his first test, uh, quite an incredible talent from Yorkshire, um, you know, playing in the England T20 and one-day side as well. So, you know, they've got players who are uh, cross-pollinating, if you like, between the various Mm -hmm. forms of the game. It makes them very potent. Uh, in terms of their chess cricket. One thing that seems to be noticeable, that pitch preparation around the world seems a lot more standardised now and the pitches appear to be a lot more batter-friendly and it's almost like England have cottoned on to that. I think the New Zealand team this year expected a little bit more out of the English wickets and we saw some very, very big totals being scored in the month of June in England, which was uncharacteristic. So if that's the way the game's going, if the wickets, there's not a lot in it for the bowlers anymore. I mean, England, England are the early adopters. Yeah, they are. Um, although, you know, I think you will see in some pitches, I mean, Christchurch, I mean, talk about the New Zealand conditions. Christchurch, it usually moves around on the first day quite a lot. It's usually quite green. Um, you know, in England, at some, on, the, on the first day, occasionally over there, and certainly in the, in the South African test at Lords, uh, the ball, uh, sorry, at, um, well, yeah, at Lords, I think, the ball did move around quite a lot. So, so I think, I mean, I like the English pitches because they do tend to move early on that first day, and that's fine. Mm. Uh, but but Rawapindi is just something completely different. It's, it is a road. I mean, I, I think Test cricket is better, Mark, when uh, we go back to that slightly more um, what you would you know call a traditional approach, where you know the, the the team winning the toss does get an advantage, putting us you know putting a side in if, and the ball moves around a bit, and then of course you're looking for spin on days four and five. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just actually amazed that the ICC allow a pitch to be presented for Test cricket like we see in Real Pindi. I don't think it does anything for the game. Yes, England pulled off this miracle, but any other side, that would have been, you know, that would have been, you know, one and a half innings, gone the five days, six or seven players all scoring hundreds, and we would have moved on to the next Test, knowing that from almost the first ball, there was never going to be a result. That's not a good thing for Test cricket. No, and we've produced pitches like that in New Zealand. You know, when when, when I was growing up and, and you know, God, it's a while ago, but the pitches were uncovered, <laughs> and um, and then covers came in, of course, and that improved them quite a lot, depending on the quality of the covers. Uh, and then, you know, but then when I was commentating, you know, first class cricket when Radio Sport was covering all of the first class games, I can remember uh, doing games at uh, Kiwi Two Park in Christchurch, where you know they battled out for six hundred runs for first innings points, you know, six hundred and five hundred and eighty or something. So we produced a lot of pitches. We got into that mentality, I think, that flat pitches meant that they were good mm. pitches, and 
my argument at that stage was always, this is just killing cricket, and who would want to be a bowler? You know, you have to have bounce, you have to have a little bit of movement early on, uh, and you have to have pitches mm. that are going to take spin. And I think, you know, New Zealand, we've got a long way to go in mm. that regard. You mentioned there that England have won, I think, seven out of their last eight tests. I think New Zealand have lost seven out of their last nine. We've got Stead. Yep and Williamson, they've got McCullum and Stokes. Boy, you couldn't get two opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, as a New Zealand cricket fan, I'd rather take the McCullum-Stokes approach than the Stead-Williamson. I mean, what do we do here? How does New Zealand play test cricket going forward? What what should be the long-term vision? Uh, well, for, yeah, I mean, for too you know, long, my, it's been boring and conservative and le- until the McCullum era. I mean, McCullum changed it here in New Zealand as well, but he, he, he practised what he preached. But now that he's gone, it's almost, oh, let's go back to the default city. We've talked about the lack of quality spinners. We just don't seem to take any risks. We, you know, we just seem to play sort of conventional, boring cricket. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think we're very flat in terms of um, what we're doing. And I think we've relied on, the, on, on, on too many of the same players for too long. And I think we're paying the price for it now. Um, you know, the McCullum, the, the, the McCullum Stokes thing is quite interesting. Looking at the Test Cricket Championship, England have played 20 games in that championship, which goes from 2021 to 2023. They've, so they've played 20 Tests. They've won eight of them. And those, you know, one of those was under uh, Joe Root and his 17 Tests as, uh, and his last 17 Tests as captain, and then seven out of eight under McCullum and Stokes. We have to find a way to be more positive. You know, we've got the, the riches in, in Bolts, and Saudi, who are magnificent. And you know, when those two players go, they will leave a massive hole in New Zealand cricket. And Bolt already is, um, is signalling that he doesn't want to be tied to New Zealand. As we know, fair enough, he's, he's done an awful lot for New Zealand. Um, you know, I, I've said to you on a number of occasions, we have to know how to play spin bowlers. You know, I think what, what, what these things highlight is just how conservative New Zealand cricket has become. And I, I, I agree with you. In your observations, you look at, uh, for example, Leach, and it's very clear. And I think you can have some comparisons between Williamson and, and Ajaz Patel, perhaps. As I've said to you many times, I don't think Williamson's a good captain of spin bowlers. I don't think he uses them well um, in all forms of the game. Uh, you know, I mean, in Santner, in, in one-day cricket, he's got a very good bowler. And in, in, in fairness, I think most of the time he uses them pretty well. But in yeah, Test yeah, cricket, yeah. but but, uh, but, but just just on that, Garth, I mean, Test cricket. It's about bowling sides out. One day cricket and T20 cricket, it's about reducing the number of runs. And there's a fundamental difference, therefore, in the type of bowler that you play at test cricket versus the type of bowler that you might play at one day level. Yeah. So the question you might ask yourself then is why did Satna play 25 tests? I think 22 of them under Williamson. You know, that, that, that's the point. And, and he was never going to bowl the side out. And, and the only the time that he looked like he was going to do it, he took three uh, wickets before stumps. Um, at the Bay Oval against England, and looked set to bowling about the next day and didn't take another wicket. You recall that they uh, they picked up the last wicket with I think Wagner uh, right in the last sort of over of the day. Uh, mm. So you know we've got Patel, and I've again mentioned it many times. Fourteen wickets in Mumbai, uh, December 2021, has bowled two overs in Test cricket since then. You know, um, Bracewell's played a Test. They've tried Ravindra um, in that series in India. They picked bowlers who are part-time spinners but can bat at uh, six or seven because they're worried about the batting. You know, they need to ask for more out of the top four. And we saw in England that the top four really struggled and it was Mitchell and Blundell who carried them through. Um, They're going to have to get a lot more out of that top four and they're going to have to, uh, you know, I think they have to have a captain and an environment 
that says we're going to play a spin bowler because Leach, look, look at Leach and Will Jacks, for example, and Livingston. So Livingston played in his first test in this one in Rapundi. He got injured, didn't bowl. Uh, so they brought in Will Jacks. Now his first-class bowling average is something like 50. He's an Aussie, and he's a pretty average one, but he took six for 160 in, in his first test. Uh, and, you know, you have Leach picking up the last wicket. He, you know, he took two for 190 in the first inning, so he was expensive. But remember, against New Zealand, he took 10 wickets in a match. And so, you know, he is delivering for that team. But they pick him, and you can see under McCullum and Stokes, they want him. Under Root, they didn't. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I'll still look at this, and I'm going to probably slightly disagree with you. I'm not a big fan of Jack Leach. I think he's still a weakness in the singlet team if they want to win the Ashes in England next year. They've got this 18-year-old over there, Rehan Ahmed, who's, um, what do they describe him as? I think he's, what, a leg spinner. Is McCullum going to give this guy a test in Pakistan? Is he is he that missing cog in terms of well, genuine X factor? Look, I'm not saying Leach doesn't tie and end up. I'm not saying Leach doesn't take wickets, but he's sort of he, he he's I don't know. Just looking at the way they're playing the game, he seems better suited to the New Zealand sort of environment. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think Jack Leach is a great chess bowler. You know, he, he's okay. Um, but he's he's getting he's he's getting time on the field and he's taking wickets. I actually think when you watch him, at times he lacks a bit of confidence. Um, mm. uh, but but you know the only way he's going to get confidence is to be bold and played. Um, so yes, they may play the eighteen-year-old. I mean, I think Livingston was obviously their first pick for a leg spinner, and I think they would have liked him because he's quite combative. He's played a lot of one-day cricket, but he's out for the season apparently. So that, that's him gone. Um, I think McCullum against Australia would love to have a right-arm leg, mm. you know, getting a little mm. bit more turn and a bit of bounce. So, yes, um, yes, I think you would see, you know, he, he, will, he will look, he's always going to look for alternatives, I, I suggest. And uh, while Leach may not be, um, you know, the absolute greatest, he's been pretty effective. Mm. Now, they've talked a lot about Ben Stokes' captaincy, his innovation, his ability to bring bowlers in, his ability not to take the new ball, get the reverse swing out of the old ball, his field settings. How much influence is that of Brendan McCullum and how much of that comes naturally to Ben Stokes? Um, I, it, it's hard to say, and you know, and, and Brendan would never say. So, uh, but, but what I suspect is that in those first few tests against New Zealand when Stokes took over, that uh, McCallum gave him a lot of confidence. And you could see his trademark all over some of those dismissals. And you'll remember that when England uh, took a couple of catches, bowling plans had clearly worked, and they looked up to McCallum in the pavilion at Lords and waved at him. Uh, so, and that was clearly, I thought, uh, an acknowledgement of a plan that he had uh, conceived having been achieved. Uh, you know, now, uh, I mean, I just get the impression that, uh, you know, I don't doubt that McCullum will be leading the charge in terms of saying we're going to win. This is how we're going to play the game. And, he, and Stokes is an acolyte. He's not going to, <laughs> he's not going to defer from that. Uh, but I think, um, I think on the field now, you just see Stokes, you know, I don't doubt at all that he's, he's making a lot of those calls. The field placements were excellent last night. You know, he took a great catch at a, a short cover. Uh, to get rid of a key player at a key time. I think, you know, he chose not to bring the new ball on at the start or not to take the new ball, and he was reverse swinging it a lot. And, uh, you know, again, I think those are decisions that Stokes, Stokes are likely to be making at the time. And, you know, he's very intuitive. He's, 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 but I think it's, it's easier for him to take risks 
because McCullum's always going to back him. Look, you've had a long relationship with Brendan McCullum, and I think in his early part of his cricketing career, I was pretty critical of him and a whole lot of the New Zealand cricket team. Then we had that series in South Africa, and we saw, the, I guess, the light go on and Brendan deciding that, hey, enough is enough, and it's about leaving a legacy, and it's about being the best you can be, and, and, and you know, we've got to get rid of this reputation as being prima donnas. But when did Brendan McCullum become the great tactician, the, the, the great visionary in terms of what we saw when towards the end of his career captain in New Zealand and clearly the influence he's now having on this England team. Was it always there or did that just come with time and maturity? I think it came with time and maturity because, um, you know, I think while he may have wanted to play the game aggressively uh, at times, and, and you know, your listeners will be discerning enough to remember that, you know, Brendan frustrated a lot of people with his batting, uh, particularly when he was keeping for New Zealand. I think people felt that uh, they probably could have got a bit more out of him. Um, and then, of course, once he gave up the gloves, his batting became a much more important role for him. And you'll, you'll recall, you know, he scored that triple century and, and three double centuries. So he was able to change his game and, and, and mature a lot. And I think it all, it all was kind of woven, you know, if you think like a tapestry, it all came together as one piece in a way. Um, but, but, you know, so I think initially uh, quite brash, very aggressive, uh, but able to counter that with uh, good decision making and maturity as time went on, and no question at all that that uh, that time in South Africa was, I think, the formative period in terms of the change of attitude. And you will recall that Ed Smith, that great writer and and um, and, uh, and England cricket selector, said that uh, when McCullum retired from Test cricket, that he was uh, singularly the, the greatest influence on the game since Bradman, which is quite a compliment. Um, and so, so I feel that it all started to weave together really after that 2013, because he certainly wasn't like that uh, when they went to South Africa and he took over the captaincy. Mm. Uh, so it came with time, and it came with um, you know he he had great tools with Bolt and uh, Salvi again, the same people who have been there for so long, uh, you know, and and he he could back his players to do things. He he introduced uh, the way that Wagner bowls the short pitch stuff. Some people didn't like it, but it was very effective. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it came together over time. Mm. Uh, true story, this one, Garth. Um, when Brendan scored that triple hundred and broke Martin Crowe's record and became the first New Zealander to do it, um, I was in with my wife. She was in labour. Uh, my son was born <laughs> during that innings. I refused oh, to wow. go down that end. I left that up to the midwife, and I stood in one corner listening to Brian Waddle on the radio um, yep. with the specialist, and I don't think my wife was overly impressed. True story. No, so True story. So I, I refused to be anywhere. I refused to be anywhere down that end, and I just needed to listen to McCullum score three hundred. I think he scored it at about eleven o'clock in the morning, and I think my son was probably born either shortly before it or shortly after it. And I'm Did still married. I'm still married. No, I didn't call him Brendan. Went very very close though. What did you call him? Oh, Jaden, but. I don't know why. I, I probably just got told well, what I, I had. I, I think, um, I mean, I know your listeners, well, I think you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody knows. I mean, everyone knows where Princess Diana was when she died. I think everyone knows where Brendan McCullum was when they scored 300, didn't they? Well, I, I jumped on a plane. I was down in, um, <laughs> down in Christchurch and jumped on a plane and was lucky enough to be there for that too. But I, I didn't, um, it was a nervous sort of half hour that, that next day, wasn't it?
It was. was. I've got to say, for my, you, for many reasons, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh no, it's like, come on, honey, you could have chosen a better day than this. The the irony is that um, my daughter was born the day after the opening game of the Rugby World Cup 2011, so I managed to take my mum to watch the All Blacks Tonga, and then the next day, I was yeah, I was in labour again. What is it with yeah? What is it with sport and my kids well, anyway? Um, yeah. Hey, look, Garth, lovely to have you on the program. Love the insight. Uh, wonderful radio. Thank you. Uh, it's always nice talking to you, and I hope your listeners get a, a, a small amount of pleasure out of I mean, it is, it's an incredible time, isn't it? And, and I'm loving the World Cup football at the moment. I mean, it's a pity it's in Qatar, but uh, once you get yourself through that... Uh, well, you, you know, can, inter- inter- interesting, a lot of human rights. What, what, and I'm certainly not condoning anything that goes on in Qatar whatsoever. What people don't realise is, and this was pointed out yesterday, when the Football World Cup was held in England in 1966, homosexuality was illegal. Well, it would have been in New Zealand as well. Yeah, so it's just interesting though, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, probably. I, I can't imagine that um, 600 people would have been killed in the making of the stadiums. But, you know, I, yeah, uh, you know, immigrants, but um, it's pretty grim over there. Isn't well, it? But, I, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think Brazil make the final and then I think it's either England or France. France? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it'll repeat, of the, no, repeat of the 98 final. Yep, France to win it. Yep. Good on them. OK. Hey, lovely, Garth. Thank right. you. Thanks, Ga- Mark. Uh, cricket commentator, Garth Galloway. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811 is the number. 0800 150 811. So McCullum and Stokes changing the game. Game changers. And we've seen it a bit in sport over the years, haven't we? People that have come along and changed the game forever. We've seen Tiger Woods in golf. We've seen Michael Jordan in basketball. Everyone plays the Michael Jordan way now. Wayne Gretzky in ice hockey changed that sport forever. I reckon Michael Jones changed the way loose forwards played rugby at a sort of a micro level. But you might have some other situations or scenarios or examples of those generational teams or those generational athletes or those once-in-a-lifetime athletes who come along, write a book that everybody else reads for so long it's always been the one book that everybody reads and then somebody comes along and changes the game New Zealand running coach Arthur Lydiard changed the athletics world forever with his coaching style he based it on his own philosophy based it on his own experimentation he said look we've all got basic speed we can all run 100 metres quickly how do I maintain that speed for the longest period of time as possible and that was the initial question that he asked himself and then he went and said well sure if you're strong you can hold it for longer okay well I need to build strength how do I do that well I need to build an aerobic base gave the world periodization. and so we are seeing a revolution with McCullum and Stokes it is high risk high reward but they've won seven out of eight tests us on the other hand we've got conservative Williamson a pretty conservative coach in Gary Stead I understand the relationship possibly between the two of them might not be that great and that's just the rumour mill um but I'd rather have the Stokes-McCullum approach. We've got to get bums back on seats. No one's watching live sport anymore. No one's watching T20 cricket. No one's watching one-day cricket. McCullum wants to play this way because he wants to keep Test cricket alive. He wants it to be entertaining. Did you see the crowd in Pakistan and Ralpindi? It was almost a sellout. It was remarkable. I mean, I, I don't really support either team, and I'm sitting there fascinated when I got home. Who's going to win this? Can they get the last wicket with 10 minutes? 0800 150811, you can text us here on 8833. You're listening to SENZ. Mark Watson with you.